Yes, uh, we've got a special episode today. We've got Julia in the hot seat over there. Hello, Julia. Welcome. <laughs> uh, we're going to be discussing all about Easter. We've got two short videos we're going to watch together and then unpack, aren't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what do you think of Easter, Jack? You mentioned something earlier when I said Easter is the most exciting time of the year, and you said... I thought Christmas was the most exciting time of the year, Emma. Yeah, why do you think that is? Because of that, like... The birth of Jesus, that's like the very start of it. Yeah, and I think that's what people would probably think about us Christians, us crazy Christians, that that Christmas is the most special time of the year. And it is a special time, isn't it, Julia? It but is. Easter is the one. And I'm hoping today you'll have your minds changed on why yeah. that is, but arguably the most important date in the Christian calendar. Would you agree, Julia? I would agree. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, let's see. Open that video. So, yes, first video. Let's do that now. So, we've got a Bible project video, which I'm going to show you both. Okay, me and Julia have watched this, but you ready? Mm-hmm. So we're walking through the Gospel of Luke, and we've reached the end of Jesus' long road trip to Jerusalem. He's arrived. So he rides a donkey down the Mount of Olives towards the city and all these crowds are forming and people are singing, praise the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They're laying down their cloaks in front of him. Why all this royal treatment? Okay, so Israel's ancient prophets promised that one day God himself would arrive and rescue his people and rule the world. Other times the prophet spoke about a coming king who would ride into Jerusalem to bring justice and peace. So Jesus is activating all these hopes that he's that king and everyone's ecstatic. Well, not everybody. The religious leaders, they think Jesus is a threat to their power and so they're not happy. But even more striking, Jesus himself is distraught. He's actually weeping as he rides. Yeah, why? Well, Jesus can see what is coming. He knows that he won't be accepted as Israel's king. And he knows that Israel will keep going down a destructive path, neglecting the poor, stirring up rebellion against their Roman oppressors. And he knows that it will lead to death. It breaks his heart. And it riles him up. The first thing he does in Jerusalem is march into the temple courts and he drives out the money changers, disrupting the entire sacrificial system. Yeah, he's staging a prophetic protest and he stands in the center of the courtyard shouting out words from Israel's ancient prophets. This is supposed to be a place of worship, but you've made it a den of rebels. A den of rebels? Yeah, he's quoting from the prophet Jeremiah, who stood in this same spot, the center of Israel's religious and political power. And he offered the same critique of Israel's leaders, that they're rebellious and corrupt. And they get the message and start to plan to have him killed. Which is no surprise to Jesus. In fact, he planned that all of this would happen during Passover. This is the Holy Week when Jewish people celebrate their ancient story of how God liberated them from slavery and invited them into a covenant relationship. And so Jesus uses the symbols of Passover to reveal the meaning of his coming death. The broken bread was his broken body, and the wine was his blood that would establish a new covenant relationship between God and Israel. Jesus was going to die for his people and open up a new way forward. After the meal, Jesus takes his disciples to a garden to pray. And he struggles with the very human desire to save his life instead of sacrificing it, but he overcomes this temptation. 
And it's here where the religious leaders with the temple guards find him and arrest him. Now, Jerusalem was being ruled by the Roman Empire, and so the temple leaders couldn't execute Jesus without permission from their Roman governor, a man named Pontius Pilate. And so they make up this charge that Jesus is a rebel king stirring up revolution against the Roman emperor. Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answers, you say so. So Pilate can see that Jesus is an innocent man and he doesn't deserve death. But the leaders keep insisting that he is dangerous. So they negotiate a compromise. Pilate will release an actual rebel against Rome, a man named Barabbas, instead of Jesus. And so the innocent is handed over in the place of the guilty. Jesus is taken away with two other accused criminals and nailed to a Roman execution device. And people are mocking him. Hey, if you're the messianic king, save yourself and us. But Jesus loved his enemies to the very end, offering hope to one of the criminals dying beside him. And he even prayed for his executors. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then the sky darkened as an innocent man died the death of a rebel. And then Jesus cried out with ancient words from Israel's Psalms, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then Jesus died, innocent and alone. That was a very interesting video. What were your initial thoughts? I just thought that it was crazy how he was so innocent and yet, like, because didn't the person know he was innocent as well? Hmm. And then that pilot person, he knew he was innocent, but he still put him on the cross to die. I just think that's mad. Well, it's because what all the people were shouting, mm. wasn't it? Mm. Time, yeah, all so. the leaders, yeah. What about you, Jack? Did they not think, like, did they not know what the other person was like? Because he was actually a bad person. What, the, the criminal who they let free? Yeah. Yeah, I assume they did, but they, they wanted Jesus de dead, so it was like, in their eyes, if that's the way they had to go about it, yeah. then I don't think it mattered. Mm. Mm -hmm. It was all very political, wasn't it, really? Mm. It was um, Pontius Pilate was trying to keep, keep the people on his side, yeah. and it was the religious leaders who wanted Jesus dead because they threatened his position, and, and they were inciting the crowd to um, shout for Jesus to be killed and Barabbas to be freed. And Barabbas, he was like a terrorist. He was against the, the Roman occupation. Um, but yeah, everyone got wound up into a state of hysteria. You know, at the start when it was like he was coming in, mm -hmm. why did it say the religious leaders weren't happy? Because surely they followed Jesus as well. Well, that's a very good question. Julia? <laughs> <laughs> well, because the religious leaders, they were Jews and Jesus was a Jew, uh, but the religious leaders were very powerful and they were often very proud and they'd made laws and rules that were really burdening um, the um, Israelites. And Jesus came and said, you know, this is, this is what we believe, but actually this is, this is what I want you to do. And it was lots of laws were, and rules were being turned on their head. Mm. So the Mosaic law said that if somebody somebody hurt you, that it was like an eye for an eye and, and all that, and, and you got revenge. And he was saying, no, I want you to love your enemy. So a lot of the teaching um, that the Jews had had, Jesus was saying, actually, no, that's not good enough. I don't, I don't want you to do that. I want you to go a step further. I want you to love your enemies. I want you to help those that need help. Mm. Um, and again, it's 
it threatened the status quo, it threatened yeah. the status of the religious leaders. So they felt threatened because he was upsetting, you know, the norm. And yeah. so it was the religious leaders that yeah. really objected. And even though people were healed by Jesus and they saw amazing miracles, again, instead of thinking, wow, this is amazing, they were threatened personally. And it's just like, we need to get away, we need to do away with this And Jesus man. was claiming to be God. Mm. Like that was heresy in them that, you know, if he wasn't actually God and he wasn't the son of God like he was saying, mm. then that is a crime. You know, you can't claim to be God, but his actions and everything proved that he was. Mm. And there was this narrative throughout the Old Testament of the law. And, you know, you, you've probably heard of that, like the Ten Commandments and stuff. And it talks about how, you know, that was fulfilled by Jesus coming. So he, it was a scary time for them because everything they'd known and, and everything was kind of taken from under them. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. All the traditions and everything. Yeah. The, the law itself wasn't necessarily bad. It's just that the way that us as humans became so legalistic about it. I mean, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus on the Sabbath is him and his disciples eat some of the corn in a field on the way past. Cause in that culture that was allowed, you could, it wasn't classed as stealing from a farmer like it would be now. You, you could just take a few if you were hungry, but that would have been classed as work on the Sabbath. And they were like, oh, he's, he's mm. working on the Sabbath. Like look at it. And, he, and it's like, you've got, you've taken this to the nth degree, you've yeah. taken it too far. Like, you know, at, the, at your own detriment, what are mm. they expected to do? Just go hungry because they're not, do you know what I mean? So yeah, it was yeah. like, they'd, we kind of twi they'd twisted yeah. the good stuff of, of what God wanted yeah. and made it so legalistic and we're putting so much pressure on people to yeah. keep to that. Mm -hmm. So Jesus was coming and just being like, you've, you've got it wrong. You've not understood mm. my law and yeah. everything that God is and stands for. Um, so it was all, Jesus was like fighting for justice and, and what was right. But you can imagine if you were one of the religious leaders, you wouldn't want <laughs> someone showing you up like that and yeah. saying that you were yeah. wrong. And that was, mm -hmm. that was, there were the tensions that run through all the gospels where Jesus, he's, he's amazing to everybody apart from the religious leaders and he challenges them. And um, yeah, he doesn't mince his words to see with them. So did the believe, their leaders believe that he was the son of God then? Or did Jesus just say that he was and they didn't really believe him? I think the, it was mostly about actions, what, you know, the, what the, the blind could see, the lame were healed. And, and so Jesus, by his actions, um, you could say he was the mm. Messiah, which they were all looking to. Um, and there were, there were parts in the Bible where Jesus sort of said, yes, I am to certain people, I am mm. the Messiah. So it was the people who believed, so they would yeah. believe and they had faith, but the religious leaders wouldn't. They were kind of blind to it because they, I suppose they were hard-hearted really, and they were so invested in their position, both physically and their status, mm -hmm. that they couldn't see the truth, even though they, they knew it, even though it had been written all the way through the yeah. Old Testament, and they knew it, they couldn't see it when it came. Yeah. yeah. So, because um, it wasn't what they expected, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there are lots of tensions, things. Mm. If um, you were alive then, okay, so yeah. imagine you've not grown up now, you've grown up then and all of this was going on. Yeah. What do you think you would have believed? What do you think you'd have thought? You know, swarms of people would have flocked around Jesus to, you know, to even just touch his robe so they were healed. Like it was, it was mm. this is how like crazy it was at the time. What do you think you would have thought 
I think if I'd seen it myself, I would have believed it. But if like someone came to me and I was like, oh yeah, I used to be blind, but now I'm not. I'd like question it a bit. Yeah. Insane, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So people might have thought Jesus was a bit of a loony. Yeah. Yeah. But if you've actually seen it happen, then you'd probably believe it, yeah. Mm. Or if it's happened to you. I feel like I would just like go along with what everyone's saying. I feel like if everyone was saying, oh yeah, he's not the son of God or anything, I'd be like, oh, oh right, okay then. But then if, if, again, like if I saw it happening, I saw him heal these people, um, then I'd be like, oh yeah, he is. Mm. Like, I feel like it would just depend on what everyone's saying. I feel like I'd just be like, oh yeah, right, that's true then. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. Interesting. Mm. What do you think, Julia? I just think it's interesting how, I mean, that there are stories that are in Friends of Jesus and some struggle when he when he rose again they struggled to believe that he had like thomas thomas wasn't mm. he? he's known as doubting thomas and jesus said you know you believe because you've seen it he actually stuck his finger in the hole in his hand but mm. you know blessed are those who don't see it and i think that's that's about faith isn't it we yeah. choose mm. to believe in something that we haven't necessarily seen firsthand and that's why it's important for ourselves each of us to read the scriptures and to pray and to have that faith for ourselves and not just believe it because somebody else said so. Yeah. Um, I think that is a really good place to watch the second video, okay. which is about Jesus' resurrection. So yeah. let's continue the video and we'll watch that now. When it loads. <laughs> We've been looking at the story of Jesus as it's told in Luke's gospel. It begins with the arrival of an unlikely king born in poor, humble circumstances. Then we saw Jesus as a teacher, prophet. He went throughout Israel calling people to a radical way of life, where enemies become friends, the poor are cared for, where people find forgiveness for their failures. He went from town to town inviting people to follow him and live under God's reign in this upside-down way. And he did many signs and wonders, so many Israelites began to hope that he would rescue Israel from the Romans and set up a new kingdom of peace and justice. In short, that he would bring the kingdom of God. Now the religious leaders of the day were also hoping for God's kingdom, but to them the message of Jesus was a threat. Yeah, they had expected to gain power and prestige when this all went down. But Jesus said God's kingdom belongs to the poor, to the outsider, and that real power is serving others in love. This conflict intensified when Jesus, while in Jerusalem, disrupted the temple sacrifices and called Israel's leaders a gang of rebels. So they arrested Jesus, and they had him accused before the Roman authorities of being a rebel king. He was handed over for execution, even though he was innocent. Then he was taken outside the city and put to death on false charges. This brings us to the final section of the Gospel of Luke. There was a religious leader named Joseph who opposed Jesus' execution and then requested to be given his body so he could bury Jesus in a nearby tomb. And then a couple of days later, some women who had followed Jesus came to visit that tomb and they found it open and empty. And they encountered these mysterious figures telling them Jesus was alive from the dead. So they run away terrified. Nobody believes their report. I mean, he can't be alive. They all saw him die. 
Now, just outside of Jerusalem, a pair of Jesus' followers were leaving the city, traveling on a road to a town called Emmaus. And they were sad and confused about everything that had happened. Then Jesus shows up, walking alongside them, but they don't know it's him. Yeah, that's weird. Why couldn't they recognize him? Yeah, it's an odd but really significant image for Luke. They're blind to Jesus for some reason. So Jesus asks them, what are you guys talking about? And they begin to tell him about Jesus, a powerful prophet who they expected would rescue Israel, but was instead executed. Some women say he's alive, which is crazy. It's all too much. We're going home. So Jesus tries to explain that this is what the Jewish scriptures had been pointing to all along that Israel needed a king who would suffer and die as a rebel on behalf of those who actually are rebels. And then he would be vindicated by his resurrection so he could give true life to those who would receive it. But it's still not making sense. They're as confused as ever. Which leads to the scene where they sit down for a meal with Jesus. He takes the bread, he blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them, just as he did at the Last Supper. Yeah, this is the image of his broken body, his death on the cross. And it's when they take in the broken bread, that's when their eyes are open to see Jesus. Then he disappears and the episode's over. So this is a story about how it's hard to see Jesus for who he really is. Yes, this is brilliant. I mean, how could God's royal power and love be revealed through this man's shameful execution? How could a humble man become the king of the world through weakness and self-sacrifice? It's very hard to see. But this is the message of the Gospel of Luke. It takes a transformation of your imagination to see it and embrace Jesus' upside-down kingdom. The Gospel of Luke ends with Jesus and all of his disciples together over another meal. And everyone's freaking out about his resurrected body. I mean, he's still a human, but way more. Yes, he's passed through death and come out the other side, a walking, talking piece of new creation. And then Jesus tells them that he's going to give them the same divine power that sustained him so they can go out and share the good news of God's kingdom with other people. After this, Luke tells us that Jesus was taken up into heaven, which is a cool exit and all, but why disappear into the sky? So in the Old Testament, the skies are the place of God's throne. They're above everything. So this is Luke's way of showing that Jesus has been enthroned as the divine king of the whole world. His followers stay in Jerusalem, worshiping God and Jesus, waiting for this new power, and this is where the gospel ends. Now, Luke is going to write about how they receive this power and take the news out into the world, and that's what his second volume, the book of Acts, is all about. Okay, thoughts on that video? I thought it was really interesting because I'd never really heard the story about when he went to see the other two people mm. and had that bread with them and then they realized, like I'd never heard that before, so I found that really interesting. Mm. What did mm. you find interesting about it? I just, I feel like it's crazy how they didn't know it was him and then suddenly they knew. They had the revelation. Yeah, when they had the bread. Mm. Um, but yeah, I do feel like it is crazy how Jesus just goes to certain people like he, I, kn- I know he goes to everyone as well, but like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like he just goes and visits like certain people. What, after like, he's resurrected, you mean? Yeah. Mm. So like just two people when they're walking, he'll just uh, like suddenly appear to them. Well, we only know what's written in scripture. We don't mm. know 
there's a lot we've well, like, like, he doesn't about. go to like crowds of people and stuff just like people on their own there are there were stories where he went to crowd was it up to 500 people in one yeah depends which gospel you read yeah. each gospel no, after he was resurrected yeah. then the, of the four gospels they all bring a different facet and you'll find different details so there's lots of bits that dovetail and overlap and then other bits you'll find something in one that you don't get in the other so he, in that in luke's gospel he doesn't particularly talk about mary Mm. Um, and the fact that Mary didn't recognise him which mm. when he, he, she thought he was the gardener and so there's this something strangely supernatural going on between mm. him rising but yeah th there's another gospel where he visits lots of people all at once, um, yeah, right. all at yeah. once. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah it is that, it's that revelation isn't it and, and it, it comes as he breaks bread and I think we can all regularly have that revelation depending on what we're doing that sometimes we can I don't know, sometimes you can go through an experience, I don't know, meet with somebody or something happens, and it's only later, suddenly you think, oh, the mm. God was in that. Yeah, something clicked. Yeah, uh, but we're not aware of it at the time, we're yeah. sort of like taken up in, in the moment. I think that was like my experience of getting to know Jesus though, like as in becoming a Christian. I kind of, there wasn't a moment for me, like it wasn't, you know, a dramatic moment. It was a gradual thing and it was almost like, then I could look back and think, oh, God was in that. Mm. It, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there was so much, you have to kind of look at the gospels and think, you know, Jesus either was a liar because, so he either didn't rise from the dead and it doesn't change anything in the world at all. But we have proof, you know, that he did rise from the dead and there's other accounts other than the Bible that talk about that. You know, historic mm. people talk about Jesus and where was his body if it, if, if they were out to prove, yeah. if it was all a plot, it would have been revealed that his body was somewhere. Do you know what I mean? A body in those sorts of temperatures mm. and times, it would have stank to mm. high heaven and been in yeah. that amount of time. It would not have been very pleasant, yeah. would it? Yeah. So he was either a liar, which I don't believe. Mm. It was either a lunatic and he didn't actually, wasn't the son of God. And, but then again, that doesn't really make sense. So then you have to really look at it. I think it's C.S. Lewis who talks about this and think... If this is real, which I'm thinking I'm coming to the conclusion that this did happen, you know, that what does that actually mean for me? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like that's the kind of journey I think I went on that okay, if I set out to prove that it was all a lie and I've kind of decided it wasn't all a lie, that Jesus did actually exist on this earth and he was actually here and he did die and he did seem to live this amazing life and miracles did seem to happen because it was mm. in, it wasn't just like you can't fool 500 people you raise the you know the feeding of the 5,000 you can't fool 5,000 <laughs> people very easily it's not like a mind mm. trick is it yeah. that would be very easily done if he wasn't a lunatic where does that leave me yeah like what does that mean you know mm -hmm. and I don't know I think you've actually been to Jerusalem haven't you mm. Julia what was yeah. that like was that even weird to see in the place where it all happened yeah uh, it, yeah it was I mean it just I don't know being able to kind of walk along the streets in Jerusalem and be told that this is where Jesus did this and this is where this happened and that happened it just I suppose it just made it all the more real somehow mm. um, and to be able to sort of see the scale and, and while we were there we learned some of the kind of customs and it just helps you to understand some of the stuff that we read and don't understand, so we tend to gloss over. Mm. Um, but the culture over there, when you're there, you, you start to understand um, what the difference 
is and I know it was, it was it was good it was enjoyable and I know a lot of people they'll go once and they'll, they'll keep going back because it just kind of builds on their understanding and their faith and what have you. Mm -hmm. but actually seeing the Mount of Olives and seeing the walls and the gates into the city and things is quite stunning yeah and I always think as well like after he was uh, after he was resurrected like his disciples saw him and then they went on to die absolutely most of them die horrible gruesome deaths didn't they mm. some of them uh, close to home or some of them went and traveled and told about Jesus and then they so they were willing to like something radically changed from them in the meantime of him dying and then being absolutely devastated and running away because like the two people in the video that were like oh mm. frightened of frightened up, not, not doing this anymore you know I'm off didn't they say I'm fed up I'm off mm. from going from that to something happening to them then being willing to die a horrific death yeah like something happened in them mm. you know even now I'm I believe in Jesus if I was in their position where I was going to be crucified or all the rest of it, I'm not sure I'd be brave, you know, I hope I would, I hope I'd be brave enough, but they'd seen yeah. Jesus risen from the dead. They obviously, something changed in them enough to know that death wasn't the end and that they were willing to die for that cause. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. yeah. What are you thinking, Jack? Uh, <laughs> it's like same as Hannah, like, I've never heard that story either. Mm. Like, they don't, I've not been taught that. School. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what might happened really. What would your friends say at school who Jesus is? Like if you just went round and said to people at school, like, who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? What do you think they'd say? Like, we're coming up to Easter. Yeah. People might know what Easter is. Probably like, um, the, what Christians think the Son of God is. And like, they like worship him. Mm. All that. <laughs> Do you think they'd know what Easter was and what it means? Uh, it kind of like depends on the person, like what primary school you turn up. But mm. I feel like a lot of people when they're younger are learnt yeah, about it. But then they just don't really think about it much. They're like, okay, cool. I think we do though. You, I, I agree. You can learn about it, can't you? And then mm. it's like until you actually sit down and think, like I was just saying, okay, if this actually happened. Yeah. yeah. What does this mean for my mm. life? Because it's going to change my life quite dramatically if I actually do believe in it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like even at school when we got taught about it, I was just like sat there listening, like, mm. oh okay, but like you don't really properly sit and think about it, mm. like you said, because mm. it flips our understanding of what's important in life completely on its head. Mm. You know, if Jesus came and it wasn't about power and it wasn't about being the most successful person, it was actually about caring and loving for loving others. That can change how we live, can't it? If that's mm. the real way. But at the end of the day, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because we're we're still drawn to, you know, celebrity culture and f footballers are are treated like gods, and mm. uh, you know, and people are given esteem and prestige because of what their name is or what their job is or how they dress or and um, you can easily lose sight of what Jesus was saying so it's the same thing you, you're always swimming against popular culture as a Christian because we're not meant to put our, our faith in money or our jobs or other people and 
And it can be really hard. It can be really hard if you're the one person that believes in Jesus and, mm. and all that he says that we're to be. And the, the rest of your mates or the rest of your class or you, you, your work colleagues are all saying something else is much more important. It's, it's not an easy journey. And that's why it's important for us as individuals to understand who Jesus really was and what, what his message was about because there's no point in dying for it if you don't understand. So mm. Yeah. Yeah. I get like literally chills when I chills, little chills when I watch <laughs> I those um, those videos because it's just like I don't know. There's just something about watching them and the re reality, even though the cartoon, but the reality of what happened. Just if you let it s sit in, it's just it's quite mm. like crazy what actually yeah. happened. It, it's very unbelievable in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, you forget that it actually happened. Yeah. And that's why, Jack, I think at the beginning when you were saying Christmas is the most yeah. important time of the year, Jesus' birth is miraculous and fantastic and everyone knows the Christmas story. But in a lot of ways, that doesn't change people's lives mm. because, you know, obviously it is a miracle and all the rest of it, but it doesn't have a personal impact as in, oh, that's great. But, but when you come to Easter, mm -hmm. his death, and resurrection it changes everything like death is not mm. the end anymore that you know that that has been defeated and this upside down kingdom that jesus talked about became a reality to these disciples and the people of the time that's why i think jack i think easter is the yeah. biggest day in our in our year and why we should have a massive celebration for that rather than not that we shouldn't have a celebration at christmas and have presents and stuff but you know it's it's almost more exciting Easter. Yeah. Yeah. do you feel like you understand yeah, yeah. that a bit more today as to why that is yeah. mm. cool and you get two weeks of school yeah you get two <laughs> weeks of school that's a bonus <laughs> and chocolate, and, chocolate. Mm. and the sun's usually shining yeah. yes mm. so we have an easter celebration coming up mm. uh, in, in drumfield and eckington mm -hmm. so wherever you are <laughs> come along to one of those easter sunday uh, the details are on our website. Yeah, um, but come celebrate with us. Come celebrate what Easter means, uh, which hopefully you've learned a bit more about today. I know you two definitely have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but we'll move on to our hot gospel now, mm -hmm. which was hopefully a way for us to respond to this Easter story together. How could Jesus claim to be the Son of God? According to C.S. Lewis, the author, his claims leave us with three choices. Choice number one, Jesus was a lunatic. If he claims to be God and isn't, then he has to be a lunatic. Choice number two. Jesus was a liar. If he's neither God nor a lunatic, he has to be a liar. Choice number three. Jesus is the Lord, the Messiah. If he's neither a lunatic nor a liar, he must be who he says he is. 
Do you want to know more about Jesus? Get in touch at www.oakcc.org.uk Sun was dead, the Savior of